invite you to turn in your Bible tonight to the little book of Jude, the letter of Jude. It's way in the back of your Bible, uh, the second to the last book in the Bible, right before the book of Revelation. Speaking of the book of Revelation, I'm hoping to uh, start a series um, on the book of Revelation. As uh, many of you know, I've started series on the book of Revelation several times in the past and uh, sort of hit a brick wall at the end of chapter 6. And I'm uh, planning, or end of chapter 5, I'm, I'm, I am intending to actually do the entire book. So I um, appreciate your prayers for that as, I, as I study. It is a book that's meant for the churches, and it's meant to be a, a blessing, a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I thought it would just be appropriate for us to, as we move forward in uncertain times, to have our eyes fixed on the glory of King Jesus. And so that's what we'll be doing in the book of, uh, of Revelation. Tonight, uh, we are looking at, I'm just looking at verses 1 and 2. And then uh, 24 and 25, Jude's little letter. Let's begin. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And then verse, uh, let's go to verse 17. Let me just pick it up there. You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Oh God in heaven, you've given us this word that we might be built up in our holy faith and be reminded of the great love of God. And the power of God to keep us. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight you would write these words again on our heart. And comfort us with them and strengthen us through them. As we walk this pilgrim journey on our way to our heavenly home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we uh, mark another milestone in our uh, spiritual pilgrimage as we close out uh, this year in, in worship. Uh, there's a, um, a great little story told in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7 when uh, the Philistines were uh, gathering against uh, Israel and there was a great army and Israel was very afraid and they cried out to Samuel and, uh, and begged Samuel, do something, pray to God and ask for God's help. And so Samuel uh, took a young lamb and he sacrificed it and he spent the day crying out uh, to the Lord for, uh, on behalf of Israel. And, and you read there 
that the Philistines attacked as Samuel was offering the sacrifice and praying. The Philistines attacked, but the Lord sent a great a thunder. We're not sure what, exactly what it was, but it was, it, was, um, it was terrifying and overwhelming and uh, cast the Philistines into confusion and the Israelites were able to rout them. And uh, Samuel then uh, took a stone and he, he, he set it in place as a, a stone of remembrance and he named it Ebenezer. Thus far hath the Lord helped us. And tonight as we close out our, our year in worship, we in a sense take a place of stone, a, a remembrance tonight. This far the Lord has helped us. He's never failed us yet. And we, uh, we raise our Ebenezer and hope by God's good pleasure safely to arrive at home. And that hope is a firm confidence as we saw this morning. Uh, the, the, uh, tonight we're going to be looking at this wonderful truth of being kept by God. Uh, the, the Bible commonly speaks of the Christian pilgrimage as something you do on your feet. Uh, it is a walk as we follow after our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pilgrim journey that we, are, uh, that we need to complete. It's a race that we're called to run. And, and uh, then along with that imagery of walking and running and pilgrimage, there's uh, constant reminders in the Bible about the danger of falling. The danger of stumbling and tripping. Uh, it requires, this race requires perseverance and skill. We need, we need to be paying attention. And so uh, let me just give you a few of these scriptures about the dangers of falling. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, this is right before he goes to the cross, and he told them what is going to happen to him. And he says, I've told you these things to keep you from falling away. Uh, Jesus knows how, how, how fickle their faith actually is, how weak they are, and how easy it would be for them to fall away completely in the presence of uh, the cross. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, let anyone who, uh, who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 1 Timothy 6, 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare and a trap, plunging uh, into ruin and destruction. Uh, every Olympic season, we see uh, illustrations of just this sort of thing. You see athletes who've been training for years uh, with uh, just grueling diets and workout regimen. Uh, they are all uh, working for this one moment where they'll be uh, running or skating or skiing, and the moment comes, and they're engaged in the contest, and then tragedy strikes. And a devastating fall, and, and uh, their hopes and dreams in one moment of failure are dashed. Well, the Bible wants us to, uh, to remember that um, we are weak and uh, calls us to be concerned about uh, the fact that we keep walking and that we don't, we don't slip and we don't stumble. Do you, do, you, do you ever worry about or think about um, what stumbling would look like in your life? Do you, do you think about what it would do to the lives of those you love or what it would do to the name of Christ if you were to fall into some grievous sin? Do you, do you have any sense of how weak you are? How strong sin is? Has it ever occurred to you that if God were to remove his hand uh, for a moment, that you would fall away in that moment? That the only thing keeping you in the faith the only thing that's keeping you walking this road, the only reason you're here uh, after another, uh, right at the end of another year, is because of the preserving hand of God. There's no other explanation for it. 
And so here tonight is Jude writes this little letter uh, to the church. Just have a wonderful reminder of the, um, the, cons- the reason for concern, but the reason for comfort and confidence as well. And that's what we'll look at tonight, the reason for concern. There's an implication in Jude's words here at the, uh, at the end of this letter, to him who is able to keep you from falling. There's an implication that falling is possible and that we by ourselves are not able to prevent it. Let's look at that first uh, implication. Falling is a possibility. Uh, Jude's letter is a letter of concern. If you have your Bible, uh, look at verses 3 and 4. Uh, Jude says I, in verses 3 and 4, I, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Why? Well, certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. He was going to write and and just talk about the wonder of the gospel and the salvation we have in Christ, but he says, I was was forced to write a letter to remind you of the dangers that are around you. False teachers are present in the church, and so you need to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Um, These false teachers are leading people off the path. These false teachers are making people stumble. They're teaching that grace means you can engage in sensuality. You can serve the desires of the flesh because uh, God has rescued our soul. He's not really that concerned about our body. Uh, You can sin as you please and God will forgive. And they're denying the the lordship of Jesus Christ over the life of his people. Um, Now that's heresy, but it's a nice heresy in a sense, right? All heresy is attractive or it wouldn't get any, it wouldn't go anywhere, wouldn't get any traction. Uh, heresies that work have something about them that, that make people say, that's a really attractive idea. Um, we, can, we can sin so that grace may abound. Well, this heresy is undoubtedly leading some away from the true faith. And so Jude writes about this to warn them about these false teachers. And, and the most of the book is, cha- is taken up with that warning. Uh, dangers, friends, do, uh, dangers abound on this pilgrim journey. This is not just a, a nice walk down a rose prim path. We have enemies. We do. All around us. We have enemies within us. Our own flesh is against us. The world and the devil are uh, constantly opposed and seeking to make us fall. Just think of the the sobering words that Jesus says to Simon in Luke chapter 22. Remember, this is um, when Jesus has prophesied that Simon is going to betray him or deny him. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, the whole bunch of you. Satan has asked the Father to have you, to sift you, to destroy you. And then Jesus says this, but Simon... I have prayed for you, singular, that your faith uh, will not fail. Satan is asked to have you, plural, all of you. But Simon, I want you to know I've prayed for you specifically so that your faith might not fail. Jesus knows the trial that Peter is going to go through. Peter, Jesus knows how Peter's going to respond to that trial. And Jesus is praying very specifically for Peter, because uh, Peter is in danger, grave danger. 
And it is the prayer of Jesus alone that keeps Peter in his despair as he's all of his sort of uh, dreams about being the uber disciple, all of that's dashed, and he denies the one who he knows is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. He made their profession. He saw the glory of Jesus on the mountain, and now he finds himself an ally with the devil to destroy the Son of God. He knows that he is ripe for destruction, and yet he doesn't lose his faith because Jesus had prayed for him. And that's the great truth that we have here in in Jude. Jude, remember, is a brother of Jesus. He doesn't say that because he's Jesus is Lord and Savior, and he's just another Christian. Uh, but Jude knows this Jesus. He knows the preserving power of God. And, and, and so he, he writes to encourage the church to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And that just reminding us that, that, that stumbling is possible. The Bible talks about sin different ways. It talks about this is the normal ongoing sin that we commit as part of the Christian journey. That we're not yet perfected. Paul says, I want you to know I've not yet attained. I haven't reached it yet. I'm still a sinner, the chief of sinners. The best of men still need to pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I believe, help my unbelief. And there's no promise in the Bible that if you just pray enough and, and, um, and, and try hard enough and get full enough with the Holy Spirit that you will be done with sinning. That's a, that's a heresy. It's not true. Part God has ordained that our pilgrim journey is going to involve sin, that, that you're going to say things and think things and want things and do things that are utterly contrary to the will of God. And you're going to fail to do things that God has clearly commanded you to do because of your pride, because of, well, your own self-righteousness and self-justification. You're going to sin. But what Jude is praying particularly here is, is not that we, that we never sin. What he's praying is to him who's able to keep you from stumbling. Stumbling so as, as to fall. So in, in, in the Bible, it'll talk about uh, normal Christians who, who live godly, blameless lives in the sense that, that, that they're living according to the covenant that, of grace that God has given. And then it talks about the people who stumble. David and Bathsheba is a classic example of, of a man who, who, who fell into a great and grievous sin that, that uh, deeply dishonored the name of the Lord and uh, brought shame to Israel and, and, uh, and to David himself. The psalmist uh, Asaph in Psalm 73, it says, as for me, my feet had almost, sl- had almost stumbled, my, my, my steps had nearly slipped. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Here's this godly man. And he, um, he knows that the Lord is for his people. That God is good to Israel. As he says in Psalm 73 verse 1. But then he looks around and he sees. But God's good to the pagans too. God's, God's good to wicked men. In fact, in fact God seems bet, to be better for them. Than for his own covenant people. Or, or, or the godly ones. The, who, who so often are poor. And, and struggle and, and suffer. And so it, it, was, a, it was a battle for him. A battle of faith. That's the world we live in. Stumbling is possible. And if you love Jesus, if you, if you want to honor Jesus more than anything else, if you sense the beauty of the name of Jesus Christ, 
then one of your greatest fears is to tarnish it. There's many, many griefs that God's people bear, but, but the deepest pain, the, the greatest regrets are always uh, those things that we've done that have brought in some way shame or dishonor to the name of Christ, the, 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 the ways that we've uh, maybe given occasion for other people to mock the church or to scorn the Savior. Stumbling is a possibility. Paul says, beware when you stand lest you fall. And the second implication is that we're not able to prevent it in our own strength. Peter, uh, Jude doesn't say, um, you know, just, just get stronger. When he, when he points to one who's able to keep us from falling, he, he reminds us that in our own strength we're not able uh, to, to prevent falling. We just experience um, weakness, don't we? I mean, I think we could all share stories of times in our Christian life where we, we tried to live the Christian life in our own strength. We, we had good intentions. Uh, we maybe, um, we, we, we promised ourselves that we were not going to do that thing or, or engage in that activity. Um, uh, and we foolishly allowed ourselves into walk in places of temptation, very confident that we were fine. And then suddenly we were not fine at all. Uh, we could all talk, uh, give stories, I'm sure, about times where we lived without prayer and without the word, without humility, just walking in our own strength, which is no strength at all, and collapse like a wet bag when the devil in the flesh actually just um, looked our way. That's the reality that we live in. We don't have that strength in and of ourselves. But it is precisely, you see, people to people like us living in this world, people who are weak, people who are, are not able to prevent our own destruction, that Jude writes these, these incredibly comforting words. There is someone who is able to keep us from falling. Just remembering as I was um, studying this, of we're not able to do much at all. I, I think one of the or, or at least to preserve things. I, growing up on, on, on the farm, I, so many animals died. Um, cats, dogs, and chickens, and, and calves, and cows. Um, we lost the entire herd, PBB. They, they, they came and took every single living thing off the farm. We, lost, we could not keep them alive. Powerless. Because of, uh, because of PBB. But, but there's someone who doesn't lose anything or anyone, not one. There is someone who is able to keep you from falling. That's what Jude wants us to think about. God is able to keep us. And as, as we said, Psalm 121, maybe the classic text of the keeping power and promise of God. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Isn't that great? He uh, who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at the shade at your right hand. He will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Even when we die, he will keep our life. We cannot be lost. And Jude's already referenced this, this uh, aspect of the keeping power of God. Verse, verse 1, we read it. Uh, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. I don't know if you could find a, a more beautiful description of what it means to be a Christian. It just reminds us that, that our life in this world of time is anchored in eternity. 
When, when Jude says those who are called, he's thinking about the eternal call of God where God knew you and named you and gave you to Jesus and set his love upon you and determined to save you before the foundation of the world, determined to make you his adopted children. Called, beloved in God the Father. That underneath the story, your own story of redemption is the ocean of the love of God. That, that you are rescued from con the condemnation you, you deserve. Not just because of an, an eternal choice, but because of it, an eternal love. A desire to bless you and do good to you. To, that, that God has a, a, a genuine desire to show favor to you and to redeem you even at the cost of his son. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful reminder. Kept for Jesus Christ. That we're not just kept for heaven, we're kept for Jesus we're kept to belong to him, to be given to him, to live with him, to reign with him. To be in eternal communion with Jesus Christ. That's what makes heaven, heaven. And Jude reminds us that we're being kept for him. Peter has talked about this as well. Peter, in, in, in 1 Peter 1 verse 5, he speaks of God's saints who are kept, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. That the power of God is at work keeping us, keeping us from stumbling, keeping us from falling into that great and grievous sin, keeping us from falling away from the faith altogether in spite of the devil's best attempts and he's a prowling lion who makes many attempts. And he's able to keep us all the way to the end. And Jude reminds us then what that's all about. That the keeping power of God is not just keeping us from falling, but it's keeping us to a presentation. To him is able to keep us from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. One of the things that strikes me as I read the New Testament is how often the apostles and the writers of the, of, the, of the letters and epistles are thinking about that day. They're living in the same world you and I live in. They deal with the same circumstances and difficulties, a, a world in chaos because of sin, uh, illness and dangers and death and persecution are, are realities. And yet they walk in this world with an eye constantly on that day. And they interpret the realities that they face in light of that day. And that's what Jude wants us to have in our mind. To him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. God is able to to bring us all the way home. God has a goal in mind. God has a day in mind. A glorious day. A wedding day the Bible talks about. Where, where Jesus is going to be revealed in all of his glory. And the church is going to be given to him as his bride. And God is going to make it happen. That's the confidence that we find in the New Testament. All through scripture. God, he who began a good work is going to complete the good work. Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. 
And I am persuaded, I'm convinced that he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. That's our confidence. God is able to keep us. To him who is able to keep you and to present you. The you here is plural. As, James, as Jude speaks to the church. Tonight it comes to you as the church. As a, as a message of encouragement and comfort that there's not a single believer whom Christ cannot and will not present before his Father in heaven. He's able to present you, all of you, every one of you. That every single person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. None seek him in vain. If you come to Christ confessing the truth of your sin, if you come desiring to know him and to live for him, to live with him, if you believe the promises in his word, the Bible says you shall be saved and you shall be kept. Jesus will not lose one of his own. And so as I tonight look out over the congregation, I can tell you with all the authority of God's word, that God, the God who called you, the God who loves you, is able to keep you and will present you. Spotless, blameless, before his glorious presence. What a wonderful, what a wonderful truth. It means that when you take your last breath here on this earth, your spirit will enter immediately into the presence of God, and it will be you. It will be the real, truly you, just not you as you are now. It will be you without blemish, faultless, spotless. It's a, it's a word that Peter uses to describe Jesus, the lamb, without blemish or spot. Same idea. It will be a gloriously different you. Version 2 is so much better than version 1. As all that is faulty and all that is weak and all that is sinful, all that is broken, all of that is, is, falls away. Every moral weakness and failure is gone. Every sin is forgiven and eternally forgotten. All the consequences uh, of sin will be gone. Every sorrow, every grief, tear, regret, all of that gone. And in its place, Jude says, there will be great joy. Great joy. Joy unlike anything you've ever known here in this world. You've never experienced joy like the joy that you will know in the presence of God. Because you at that moment will be blameless and present before the glory of God. The Father who loved you and loves you. The Savior who gave his life for you and desires you to be with him. The Spirit who carried you and kept you all through your life. You will be in the presence of the glory of God with great joy. That's, that's what Jude holds before you. Don't you sense how that just changes how we look at our circumstances and changes how we think about our time here? We get caught up in the daily news and the, the little news stories that flash over your phone or computer, the things that you're tracking on Facebook or pocket, whatever. 
All these, all these crises, all these tragedies, all these dangers, all these fears. And, uh, and Jude says, it's all true. That's the world we live in. But it's not, it's not the most gloriously true thing. That we are people who are called by God. We are people who are loved by God. We're people who are kept for Jesus. That's our identity. It's who we are. And, and we are on our way to an unbelievable day when we will be presented as the bride of Christ to Christ, blameless, washed pure with the word, robed in white, more beautiful than anything we can imagine. So what then shall we do as we close? Well, Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God, verse 21. It's an interesting phrase. Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that leads to eternal life. Jude speaks of the love of God here as a sphere, a place. Think about Noah's ark. Everyone who was in Noah's ark was safe. They were in the love of God, that sphere of God's saving power and mercy. And no matter how deep the water was beneath the ark, no matter how mighty the waves were outside of the ark, no matter how long you needed to be in the ark, the truth was is in the ark you were in the sphere of God's love and God's mercy and protecting and providing grace. You could not be lost in the ark. And the writer says, keep yourselves then, Christians. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, well, how do you do that? He says in verse 20, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. He's just talking about means of grace. Going to, going to church and hearing preaching, listening to sermons, going to a Bible study and opening the word, uh, opening, opening the Bible in your own home and, and in, in, in your bedroom and letting the Lord speak to you and build up your faith and then praying. Prayer. Where we call on the name of the Lord, where we, where we submit ourselves to his will, where, where we acknowledge our weakness and we, and we ask, just like Samuel asked for protection from the Philistines. We say, Lord, we're not sufficient for this. We can't do this on our own. We have no strength for this, but you do. Lord, hear. Lord, help. Lord, save. And by that, friends, we are kept in the love of God. We're kept in the reminder of it. Not in the, uh, not in the truth of it. The love of God never changes. We talked about that this morning. But the experience of it, the confidence of it, the comfort of it, the peace of it, the joy of it, so that we keep walking and we're protected from stumbling and we don't lose our faith as we continue to lean on the Lord. And, and keep doing that until, until you see him, until you're in his presence. So one of the phrases in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the hall of faith, talks about all these saints and all these were living by faith when they died. I'd like them to say that about me when I die. He was still living by faith. He still believed the Lord. He still trusted the word. Was still confident that grace was sufficient in spite of all the sin. That's the call, friends. Keep Keep walking, keep living by faith until you die. And, and, and then experiencing all that God has for you in Christ. We, uh, one of my favorite uh, memories of seminary was uh, the, the, the men's choir that we had. Uh, Eric Hausler actually was the uh, director, he's a great director. And uh, my uh, first year of seminary, we had about 30, 35 guys singing in uh, a men's choir. 
And one of the favorite songs uh, that we sang was, We've Come This Far by Faith. Leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word, he's never failed us yet. Oh, 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 we can't turn back. We've come this far by faith. Friends, we've come this far by faith, faith that God's given to us. And God promises that he will, he's able to keep us in that faith. And by that faith to present us spotless with great joy. And all that's left then for us to do is to praise him as Jude does. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So be it. Let's pray. God in heaven, we come as creatures of dust. We cannot keep ourselves alive. We cannot give ourselves faith. We cannot give ourselves the gift of repentance. We cannot make our hearts to be gentle and soft and loving and kind. We cannot make our mind to, to think only what is true. We, we can't bend our wills to only desire what is good. And so, Lord, we cannot save ourselves. But I thank you, oh God, that, that you've opened a way for us to come to a God who is able to save and save to the uttermost. I thank you, O oh Lord, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I thank you, Lord, that you are working that power in our life. You know our weakness far more than we do. And yet, Lord, you've kept us. And even when we've stumbled, you've kept us so that we did not fall away. Even when we've sinned grievously, public or private, Lord, your mercy was there to meet us. Your grace was there to cover our sin. Your spirit was there to lead us back to paths of truth. And Lord, that's the only reason we're here tonight, is because you've been faithful. You've always been faithful. And as we look forward now to 2019, it was a return to the pages that you've written for us and numbered for us. Lord, I thank you that we can trust that the hand that, that has written those pages is a, is a hand of divine love. It's a hand, Lord, that even bears scars as you died in our place, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you, you promise if anything is true in Scripture, this is true, that you are coming again. That where you are, we will also be, and that we will dwell with you. And that there is coming a day when we will be presented spotless with great joy in your presence. I pray, O oh God, that you would direct our hearts to the love of God that made all this true, to the grace of God that makes it certain. And Father, I pray then that we'd walk and keep walking until that day. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Let's uh, just confess our faith in the keeping power of God as we uh, sing together the great hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast. <laughs>